Environment Minister Stephen Guilbeault wasted no time responding to Alberta Premier Danielle Smith's invocation of the Sovereignty Act by misleading Canadians on his government's net-zero electricity targets. Canadian high school sports teams are awash with white privilege and racism. At least that's the conclusion made by a team of academics in a paper published to the Sports Coaching Review. Canadian high school sports teams are awash with white privilege and racism. At least that's the conclusion made by a team of academics in a paper published in the Sports Coaching Review. Life expectancy in Canada dropped for the third consecutive year in 2022, with more people dying of COVID-19 than any other year since the outbreak began, according to a new report from Statistics Canada. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, November 29th, and this is True North's Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Georgia. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Environment Minister Stephen Guilbeault wasted no time responding to Alberta Premier Danielle Smith's invocation of the Sovereignty Act. Shortly after Smith officially broke the news this week, Guilbeault responded with a statement misinforming Canadians about the federal government's role in forcing Alberta to resort to the measure. In a joint statement with Minister of Energy and Natural Resources Jonathan Wilkinson, Guilbeault took aim at Smith and her government. Premier Smith is choosing to create fear and uncertainty over collaboration and positive results for Albertans, reads the statement. The statement mentions collaboration numerous times. Smith had previously been clear about her intention to collaborate with the federal government to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050. However, Ottawa has insisted on accelerating the target year to 2035. In a press conference on the same day, Alberta's Minister of Affordability and Utilities, Nathan Newdorf, reiterated that many other nations shared Alberta's goal of carbon neutrality by 2050, which has been enshrined in international agreements. He said this goal would be attainable while maintaining grid reliability and affordability, which would be impossible if the goal were pushed to 2035. It appears to me that the Liberal government is completely unwilling to reach a middle ground here. First of all, Alberta has agreed to net zero, but their target date is 2050. So obviously, there is wiggle room here. Yet Ottawa is hell-bent on accelerating that transition so that it happens by 2035. We're talking about a complete overhaul of Alberta's electricity grid, and they expect this to happen in 12 years? One of the things that sticks out in Guilbeault and Energy Minister Wilkinson's statement was that the Alberta government at no point raised the Premier's intent to introduce the Sovereignty Act during discussion meetings. Well, I would like to remind Mr. Guilbeault and Mr. Wilkinson that this is called the Sovereignty Act as in Alberta is a sovereign government, like every other province and territory in Canada, and it doesn't need the permission of the Laurentian elites in Ottawa and Quebec to invoke legislation. It's been a while since the national conversation has been about Western alienation, but this seems like a turning point. 
could we see an eventual clash between the federal government and Alberta more severe than ever before, Lindsay? Well, Cosman, Saskatchewan also comes into the picture here because Saskatchewan relies heavily on natural gas and coal for its energy needs. Um, 84% of the province's energy comes from those sources. That was the data from winter 2023. And then back in May of this year, we saw a little bit of a face-off where Guibault was implying that those who don't comply with the clean electricity standard and ban fossil fuel power generation by 2035 uh, are at risk of going to jail. So he was directing this at Premier Scott Moe of Saskatchewan. He said that the Canadian Environmental Protection Act is a criminal tool that the federal government has, so not complying with this regulation would be a violation of Canada's criminal code. And then Scott Moe retorted that um, he would risk jail despite the threat. He said, if someone's going to jail, come get me. And that's become kind of a you know, little legendary line from Moe. Canadian high school sports teams are awash with white privilege and racism. At least that's the conclusion made by a team of academics in a paper published in the Sports Coaching Review. Researchers from the University of Ottawa, University of Manitoba, Université du Québec, Brock University, and University of New Hampshire published their findings based on a survey of 463 high school coaches who self-identified as white. Their findings were published in a paper titled White Privilege in Canadian High School Sport, Investigating White Coaches' Perspectives on Social Justice Issues. Sport constitutes an important setting in which to study whiteness given ongoing issues related to power, privilege, and oppression, write the authors. Based on the ideological work of critical whiteness studies, academics like Robin D'Angelo, who believes that Caucasian people suffer from white neurosis, and advances the idea that raising white children to be white is a form of child abuse in her books, the authors claim that refusing to see race in coaching maintains socially unjust worldviews. The study concludes that the right approach is to educate coaches to learn the unearned advantages of white privilege. Cosman, isn't this contrary to the spirit of sports? It seems like this study does more to divide people rather than encourage team building and sportsmanship and the mentoring that comes with coaching. I can't think of a better example of ivory tower disconnectedness than this paper. There's a habit by these theorists who buy into the latest Marxist nonsense to debase everything that is good and healthy. Sports are good. Athleticism in youth is good. Where the average Canadians see healthy behavior, in this case, high school sports teams, a leftist ideologue will instead claim it's tainted with racism, white supremacy, and colonialism. There's honestly no better word to explain the all-encompassing reach of this radical left ideology that has taken root here than totalitarian, because this is what indoctrinated zealots try to do. They want to create a complete, absolute, and total narrative about everything a universal system that can be applied to society and at the same time to rule the private lives of individuals. That's the end goal of this, to subject coaches to fulfilling this doctrine. 
And this sort of progressive totalitarianism seems to be incubated in academia. The far left has dedicated a good part of the last century to capturing universities and colleges in order to indoctrinate young impressionable people into their ranks. Some of us, at least, like our listeners, still have the good sense to call it what it is. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life expectancy in Canada dropped for the third consecutive year in 2022, with more people dying of COVID-19 than any other year since the outbreak began, according to a new report from Statistics Canada. The report, released Monday, revealed the average life expectancy for Canadians dropped to 81.3 years last year, a full year less than the 82.3 years that was recorded in 2019. Life expectancy declines when there are more deaths, when deaths occur at younger ages or a combination of both, the report said. In 2022, COVID-19 was classified as the third leading cause of death in Canada, surpassing accidents and unintentional injuries for the first time since 2020. Provincially, New Brunswick had the biggest drop in life expectancy, falling more than a year to 79.8 years from 80.9 years in 2021. Life expectancy in Saskatchewan declined the most over the last three years combined, dropping a full two years from 80.5 years in 2019 to 78.5 years in 2022. There were also increases in deaths among young people in 2022, which was attributed partially to deaths under investigation by a coroner, which generally may include suicides, homicides, and drug overdoses. At one point over the last few years, these statistics would have been used to justify all sorts of government measures, including lockdowns and vaccine mandates. But today, not so much. And it makes me question, do these statistics really paint the full picture about what is causing these deaths? Cosman, this idea that COVID-19 is the third leading cause of death in Canada is totally ridiculous. It can't be taken at face value at all. We know, back from data released in 2020, that this is from Statistics Canada. Almost 90% of people who died of COVID-19 in 2020 had at least one other comorbidity. And I just heard this statistic the other day from Dr. Stephen Pellick of the University of British Columbia. He said that on average, people who died from COVID died at the average age of 84, whereas the average age of death in BC is 82. So what could be behind drops in life expectancy? Well, I think, yes, um, the opioid crisis is a big part of that. But also, what about loneliness and isolation and physical inactivity that resulted because of lockdowns? Those things contribute to early death, that's proven. And not only that, but effects from the COVID vaccines. Will we ever get a reliable study that talks about the harms of the vaccine 
I don't know, because it's so politicized and so many people are ideologically invested in that issue. But it would be nice to to have a comprehensive study talking about, you know, how many people died from the vaccine or how many people were seriously injured, um, that kind of thing. I hope someone's working on that. But even so, even if we do get a definitive study on deaths or serious injuries caused by the COVID vaccine, there will always be even maybe a plurality of people who write it off as conspiratorial because they just don't want to face um, that they might have been lied to this whole time. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, stay tuned for The Andrew Lawton Show today and The Candace Malcolm Show at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thank you.